Well, good morning. It's Sunday morning. First Sunday in December, moving into the Christmas season. Hope everybody's doing well out there and I hope some people will be able to join me. Um, Getting started a little bit late. Uh, It seems like that's becoming a pattern on Sunday mornings, but uh, it is what it is. Welcome replay viewers. If you're watching by replay, if you're listening live, some of you that are logging on, if you could let me know how my sound is. My sound wasn't very good last week and I had my earbuds in. My earbuds usually give me a better sound, but it didn't seem like it was picking it up uh, last week for some reason. So, I mean, not that I know what I'll do about it. If the sound's not coming out very well, um, I could try some different things, but hopefully it's picking it up better. Uh, this time so that the sound quality is a little bit better. Good morning to everybody. I see some of you uh, saying good morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me today. I'm looking forward to the things that I get to share with you today. I just want to report that I had a much better week this week than I did last week, maybe because I stayed away from uh, people (laughs) and stayed off of Facebook. Um, But also I had so many of you that uh, were so supportive that reached out to me, that called me that uh, messaged me, that checked on me. Some of you were messaging me and checking on me every day uh, to see how my family was doing and how we were progressing. And I can't tell you how healing that is and how much I appreciate that. For those that don't know, um, we lost, uh, my wife lost her mother to COVID. Uh, It's going to be two weeks ago. And so we're coming off. Today is our last day, thank God, of, um, what do they call it, isolation or quarantine. Uh, And... uh, you know, I'm coming off, it's interesting because I'm coming off of uh, three pretty much back-to-back quarantines because I had three direct exposures. So apparently we're being careful or we were just, our entire family was one of those either really minor symptomatic or asymptomatic people, or we were just really careful and getting exposure and um, not getting the virus, and then I, I just feel, you know, our personal conviction, you, your convictions may differ. Our personal conviction is uh, we don't want to give it to somebody who may give it to somebody. Uh, we just don't want to be responsible for that. So we're, I've been responsibly quarantining, but when I added it all up, it's been uh, 42 days. <laughs> 42 days of more or less staying in my house and uh, not seeing anyone face-to-face outside of my family members. And I thought, dang, that's longer than Jesus was in the wilderness. That's longer than Moses was on the mountain. I got him by two days. I mean, surely I should be able to come to you guys with some kind of earth-shaking, world-changing revelation, right? Because I've had 42 days. Uh, I should have been fasting and praying, I guess. Uh, all of that time, I would have lost some weight as well. <laughs> so anyway... Uh, but it's been a, it's been a good week again. Thank you so much for um, everybody that's uh, shown so much support uh, to my wife, to myself, to my family, um, and I really really appreciate all of you, and I appreciate that. Uh, and I'm in a much better headspace than I have been for a while, to be honest. So uh, <clears throat> so anyway, so I hope everybody's doing well out there. I hope uh, you're getting ready to enjoy the Christmas season, if you enjoy the Christmas season, if you celebrate it differently, um, because you are of a different faith persuasion, um, then I hope you enjoy this time, whatever it is for you, whatever it means for you. Uh, I hope it's truly one of the best, and I'm looking forward to I know it's just a number. I know it's just a date, 
But I'm looking forward to putting 2020 in the rearview mirror and looking forward to better days ahead for us. Uh, ben Urban's wife, Beth, uh, gave us a, on the religious trauma moderators, we, we have a thread that uh, goes on <laughs> constantly. It's like a, a never-ending conversation. It's great. And uh, a number of us on that thread were saying, you know, that we were doing a lot of shadow work, that things were coming up in us. And she explained to us how the astrological weather has been affecting us because of where Mars is and basically told us which uh, planets were being dicks to us right now. <laughs> and uh, and that was helpful to understand that, actually. That was really, really helpful. And uh, And then she, you know, was telling us how things would shift around the winter solstice and we would come out of a lot of this, and then there would be some hopefully auspicious and better days ahead. She encouraged us to raise our vibration. And uh, so I thought, well, that's a, that's a good goal to have for this month, to just get to feeling better and doing better mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all that stuff. So if you've kind of been going through it too, maybe it's just the um, astrological weather that's out there for you. I don't know. I'm going to use the Bible today. I'm going to use the Bible and teach from the Bible. Uh, you know, God can speak uh, spirit, source, whatever term you use. I don't want to get hung up on the semantics. For me, it's God. God can speak in, in anything, anything. One of the passages I wanted to look up, but I didn't have time because I was already running late, was God tells Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house. And he goes down to the potter's house, and while he's watching the potter work with the clay, he gets a revelation of what God was doing with Israel. So God can speak to us, and God has spoken to me. Any, anything that quickens you, anything that inspires you, when you put your intention and attention on the divine forces, the divine powers, the spirit, your spiritual guides, whatever it is that you have out there, the angels, uh, your ancestors, whatever you understand to be inhabiting, the uh, invisible dimensions, uh, whatever kind of connection you have with the divine or you have with God, uh, you begin to learn sort of the, the presence, the, the quickening, the way that these messages come to you if you just start paying attention. And for 30 years of my life, primarily messages came to me that really, when I look back on it, there was a lot of junk. There was a lot of things that traumatized me. Uh, there was a lot of things that kept me and prevented me from living abundantly and fully and more authentically. But there was also a lot of good that came from uh, just the times of, of meditation and prayer and spending time with the Bible where I know that God was leading me and speaking to me through the scriptures. And so it would make no sense for me to have used a tool for 30 years and throw it away. Uh, now, I've added other things to that. Uh, as well, because I, there are other spiritual resources and spiritual tools and other things that we can use to transform our consciousness, to raise our vib vibration, all that stuff. But for me, the scriptures, when used uh, in the way that's helpful and used in a way where it's inspiring to me, then um, uh, and not used as a rule book, not used as a source of faith and rule of conduct, and not used as something that I'm trying to uh, cut and paste myself to, but Understanding that it's a tool that as the inspiration, the word inspiration comes from in spirit, to be inspirited. And one of the things that's really interesting, we uh, fundamentalists love to quote the verse in, uh, it's either first or second Timothy chapter three. I used to know all these things by heart, but I, I made space in my brain for other stuff, more important stuff <laughs> than remembering Bible verses. But it says all scripture is inspired 
uh, by God and is profitable, and he goes on and makes a whole list of what it's profitable for. The interesting thing in the Greek construction there, when it says all scripture that is inspired by God, or all scripture inspired by God, uh, one of the first issues that we have is we don't know exactly what the Old Testament scriptures, we don't know what writings specifically that Paul was referring to. We're pretty sure he was referring at least to the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first four, uh, or I'm sorry, the first five books of the Old Testament, uh, probably what uh, Jewish people call the Tanakh today, which would include other writings as well. But it could have also included things like the Enochian literature or other apocalyptic literature uh, that was around it today. And it may have even included some stuff that we don't know about because they didn't canonize, they didn't say, these are the scriptures that are inspired by God until centuries after the Apostle Paul, just like the church didn't canonize their scriptures until centuries after the time of Jesus. So uh, the way the scriptures are written, the way it's written in Timothy, it says all scripture inspired by God. And the idea is that the writers themselves were inspired and then we have to take our lead from the writers, but in the Greek, it can also mean whatever scripture inspires you. In other words, uh, the inspiration could be located inside the reader or inside the hearer, not necessarily inside the writer or inside the speaker. And I like that. So I, because that just resonates with me, it fits with my experience. I think it fits well and gives us a way to understand and use scripture in a way that can be helpful for us, that can be inspiriting to us, rather than in a way that puts us in bondage and does psychological and mental and emotional damage. So, so I'm going to share with you what has been inspiring me, uh, what has been inspiriting me, uh, the last few days. And Hebrews 11, uh, familiar verse, uh, but I want to lay a, bit of a foundational thought out of Hebrews chapter 11, and then I'm going to go to 2 Peter chapter 1. So Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now I want you to notice uh, that there are things that exist that we hope for, but these things that exist that we hope for are not seen. They're not part of the seen realm because if you have something you don't hope for it you already have it right and then it says for by it or by faith in verse 2 the elders obtained a good testimony by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god that the worlds not world not earth not not universe worlds plural that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. So what this is saying here is that everything that we see, everything that we can touch, everything that's tangible to us, has its origin or its source in a corresponding thing that is not seen. That the origin, the cause of the things that are seen has a mate, has a twin, has a match, has a correspondence in things, things which are not seen. So the unseen is the womb of the seen. The unseen is the womb of your hope. And faith is that thing which brings something or, or, or causes that, uh, connects with, reaches into that unseen realm and then brings into the seen realm that which was not seen. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, with that in mind, I want to go to Second Peter uh, 
And I, and I used to teach this long before I deconstructed, and, and this deconstructed everybody's prayer life. Uh, people would come to our church for at least a decade, and they, they would come out of this normal sort of Christian experience, um, and they would, they would say, you know, after sitting for a few months or weeks or whatever, they'd say, I don't know how to pray anymore. How am I supposed to pray? And so I want to talk about some of this, but this is why, because I would preach on this verse a lot, because this verse really messed up uh, a lot for me in terms of the way Christianity was done in most places. So um, let's just start at the beginning. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have, to those who have obtained, here's what he's writing to, to those who have obtained like precious faith, with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. I want you to notice he doesn't say faith in God as Savior or faith in Jesus Christ. He's saying there is a like precious faith that we have all obtained with and by Jesus Christ and by his righteousness or by his example is really what he's saying there. And I'll come back and elaborate on that. And then he says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Man, I just, I just want to unpack some of this for us. I want to unpack some of this. First thing it says here, it says, as his divine power has given. Now that's not in the future tense. <laughs> that is in... The aorist tense in the Greek, it's hard to translate an aorist tense into an English tense. But basically, it is not, the one thing we can say about the aorist tense, it is not future. It is sort of a past present tense. It's speaking about something that either happened in the past and is available now, or exists in an eternal present moment. The one thing that it negates, the aorist tense negates, is a future tense. So there's no way here he's saying his divine power will give you anything. And this is the foundational problem of religious praying. This is the foundational problem of why life doesn't work, why things don't work, why prayer doesn't get answered, because we operate in an illusion. And I'm going to come back and talk about that in a few minutes. But anytime we think that from our position in time and space that we can do something that will cause any divine, any divine, any deific mask, any understanding or concept of the divine or God, sky God, internal God, the all God, whatever your concept of God is, this verse is denying the idea. It's negating and taking away the idea that we can somehow get God to give us something in the future. And most people pray trying to get God to do something or give them something that they do not already possess in 
the future. And this negates that. Now, for a lot of people, that takes away their hope because the only thing they know to rely upon when they're going through a difficult season or a difficult time, uh, you, you've heard the saying, there's no atheists in foxholes. And one of the things that I've been uh, cognizant of in my own life and I've been observing as I'm watching people who are going through deconstruction, especially people that were very devout and very tied into uh, Christianity or the spiritual side of Christianity, uh, you, what do they do in trouble? I mean, it's all, it's all fun and games and it's all, you know, we're talking about it as we're going through something, but what happens if you get sick? What happens if a loved one gets sick? What happens if you lose your job? What happens if you find yourself in a crisis and you really need to be able to cling to something or you're going through a really difficult situation and you relied upon your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with spirit, your relationship with the Bible, whatever, to get you through the time that you were going through? What do you do then? And so a lot of people, when they would hear this, even before deconstruction, it would negate their idea of prayer, which would leave them in a great crisis because they, that was their only avenue of coping or dealing or finding support as they were going through a difficult and a trying situation. But it says here, His divine power has given to us all things. So the gift and there's no withholding. The giving of God has already taken place and there is no withholding. In other words, you don't need a God to do something for you in the future if he's already done it for you in the present moment or in the past. And you don't have a need for something if you already have all things. And here it is right in our Bibles. How come this wasn't being preached? How come this wasn't being taught in most circles and in most churches? This idea that God has already given all things. There is no persuading God to do something. There is no praying with the right magic words that's going to get something to manifest in your life. There is no voting in heaven. There is no election in heaven. You, you don't have to get on all the prayer lists and, and, uh, in fact, you know what? I was talking to a friend of mine, still very, very devoutly Christian, uh, but been so faithful to call and check on us a couple, two or three times this last week. And, uh, and we, we, we were talking and, and, uh, She's a minister and she's going to be speaking and she, she said that she was feeling led to the passage where Jesus raises Jairus' daughter and you have this whole multitude of people there and Jairus, or I'm sorry, Jesus goes in and he throws everybody out but the mother and the father. And so, uh, it would seem that when the greater miracles were taking place, Jesus often removed the masses and brought the few. You can think about the Transfiguration on the mountain. You can think about, you know, several miracles. One miracle where he leads somebody outside the city, does the miracle, and then says, don't tell anybody what I did for you. And so, uh, you know, other miracles where Jesus said, your faith has made you well. But because we live in a democratic society, we want, you know, if, if we're in trouble, oftentimes we want to get on every prayer list we possibly can, particularly if we're desperate. We want the church praying for us. We want the, we want to call the prayer lines. We were, we're putting prayer lists out on Facebook. We're asking people, please pray for so and so. And how many of us really do that with any kind of passion or, or I mean, sometimes we're just kind. Uh, I had another friend this week that called me and he said, I'm really going to pray for you. And when I say I'm really going to pray, I'm really going to pray. I'm not just, it's not just lip service. But how many of us, we, you know, especially as a pastor or minister, I got inundated with prayer requests. Uh, pray for this person. Pray for that person. Can the church pray for this? Can the church pray for that? Because we had this idea that if we could get enough votes, right, we could win the election and then God would, uh, would do something, do something on our behalf. 
Again, this passage of Scripture is negating all of that because it's saying that everything that you need, all things, all things, all things, everything that you need has already been decided upon and already been given to you. So you don't need somebody else to pray for you, not that it's wrong to have somebody else pray for you. You don't need somebody to lay hands on you, not that it's wrong to have somebody lay hands on you. You don't need somebody to light a candle or do energy work or any of that stuff. Not that it's wrong to have anybody do those things and not that it's not a need at times, but it's a need in a different sense. It's, it's, it's a need in the sense that we are recognizing the limitations of where we're at. We're recognizing our mental and emotional need. We're recognizing our need for spiritual support is different than, than, than coming from a place of, I don't have this. I don't have what it takes to uh, get God to give me this, and maybe your prayers somehow for me will prevail more than my prayers. You understand where I'm coming from? So I'm not saying it's wrong. Again, for people to pray or send energy or do energy work or, or whatever it is, whatever it is that, that you're drawing upon as resources, there are times that we need that, but not in the sense that we need somebody else to talk God into giving us something that we can't talk God into giving us. Because the truth is, the all things have already been given. I know I'm belaboring that point, but it's it's hard to get through the narratives and the paradigms. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. So knowledge then is the key, or knowing this then and is the key to access to what's already been made available. And notice here, it's His divine power that has given to us all things. I'm going to unpack this and then I'm going to put it back together for you. <laughs> and then it goes on and it says, uh, you know, we've been given these exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be, <clears throat> excuse me, partakers of the divine nature, partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now I came from a church network, church culture, that we were all about uh, being history makers and world changers. Some of you remember way back, if Christian music, there was the song, you know, uh, be a history maker. People grabbed onto that. And so our motto was, we're raising up a generation of uh, <clears throat> history makers and world changers. But I want you to notice something he says here. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He, doesn't say, he, he says, escaping the corruption that's in the world. He, escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. He doesn't say anything in there about changing the world. In fact, I can't find anything really anywhere in Scripture that talks about you being a history maker or a world changer. And I'm just going to tell you right now, Tom, Tom Cruise, the movies, the, the Mission Impossible movies, they never, never came up with a mission that was more impossible for you than being a history maker or a world changer. Very, very few people are remembered throughout history and are or or in the position to change the course of history and nobody changes the world the world was jacked up when you got here it's jacked up now and it's going to be jacked up when you leave and trying to be a history maker trying to be a world changer is to buy into an illusion it's to buy into another truth and to totally miss the boat because you're not here to change the world <laughs> you're not here to make history in that sense and talk about setting yourself up for disillusionment. Talk about setting yourself up for, uh, for failure. And talk about putting too much pressure on yourself to be something that you can never be. 
So let's reframe all of this and let's talk about what this means in plain English, all right? So the word there, to be a partaker of the divine nature, the word there for nature is the Greek word where we get the word physics. And we have a tendency to think of nature as, I'm going to go out in nature. I'm going to go commune with nature. I'm going to go sit by a river. I'm going to go to the mountains. I'm going to go out by the ocean, and I'm communing with nature. That's how we use the term. This Greek term, one of the ways Thayer's dictionary translates it, is force, the divine force. It's not nature like we think about it. It's it's a divine force. <laughs> so the divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and when we participate through knowledge and knowledgeably, knowledgeably in the divine force, then we can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Not... Not the world itself, because the world itself is not bad. And this word corruption, don't think about it just in moral terms, because it's not bad. It's, it's, it's like uh, rotten and spoiled. It's like rotten fruit, spoiled fruit, <clears throat> decay, death, that kind of corruption. And so if we get involved in the craziness of this world to too big of an extent, it begins to take a toll on our soul. If we get involved in the games that people play, the power games that people play, the manipulation games that people play, if we get involved in the striving and struggling, if we buy into the competition model, if we buy into the Darwin model, uh, survival of the fittest, and the strongest, whether it's in nature or in society, social Darwinism. Uh, if we get into competing, uh, competing is a narrative, it's a, it's, a, it's a metaphor, it's a story that says that we both can't have what we want. That would be cooperation. Uh, that we both can't work towards the same goal. That would be cooperation. Competing says the only way I can win is if you lose. And that's how a lot of the world is set up. The only way I can win is if you lose. The only way I can get... Or, or the only way you can get what you want is if you take something away from me. Now, you can extrapolate that model into religion. You can extrapolate that into elections. You can extrapolate that into politics. You can extrapolate that into corporations, into just about anything, that those are the games that the world plays. And it is those very games that are rooted in lust, and we'll talk about why that is in a minute, and... And it is those very games that causes you to lose your soul, causes you, it takes a toll on your soul, that causes corruption in your life, that causes the fight and flight responses, that causes the anger, that causes the anxiety, that causes these low vibrational tendencies that we have that then release processes in our body, that release processes in our mind, that leave us in a state of uh, ongoing stress. And after being in states of ongoing stress, then we can get into substance abuse. After being into uh, states of ongoing stress, we can create diseases. A lot of, uh, I mean, there's good evidence and good studies that a lot of autoimmune diseases are the result of chronic prolonged stress in a person's life. Certainly a lot of gastrointestinal problems. Certainly a lot of heart problems. Certainly a lot of blood pressure problems. Uh, and I could go on and on and on, not to mention uh, things like depression and anxiety disorders and even uh, 
can trigger bipolar disorders and schizophrenic disorders and things that are more brain-related, this chronic, ongoing stress of playing the world's games, trying to get something. That's the key. They're lusting because they're trying to get something. And the root of lust is desire that comes from a consciousness perspective of lack. Lust is born from desire that is born from a conscious perception <coughs> of lack. Sorry, excuse me. You get it? In other words, uh, if you believe the only way you can get something, if, if you believe, let's, let's do it this way. I desire something because I feel bankrupt. I desire something because I don't feel complete. I desire something in this world because I'm not content in who I am. I desire something in this world because I believe that I need that. And that creates a lust, that creates a pressure, a burning desire to go out and get that. And I participate in the world narrative. And some people get to the point that I have to have that at all costs. And when they have to have that at all costs, or I, the only way I can get that is if I take something away from you. So that's the corruption. The competition game is the corruption. If I'm taking something away from you, I'm corrupting you in order to get what I want. If I'm mistreating you to get what I want, I'm corrupting you in order to get what I want. If I'm lying, if, if I'm jealous of you, let, let's bring it down into some practical matters. Somebody has a relationship with you, and I really like you, and I want that kind of relationship with you, and you're not giving me that same kind of attention, but you're giving it to this other person, but then you and I are hanging out, so I say some things, true or untrue, to cast the person of your affection in a negative light in order to turn your gaze away from that person and towards me. I've just participated in the corruption that is in the world through lust. So I'm trying to give you examples of how these things take place in our lives. There's a different kind of desire that can be born of abundance and be born of the divine nature, the divine power, the divine force. <clears throat> That's a desire that comes that from a space or a place <clears throat> where you understand that the divine power has already made available to you everything you could ever possibly want, need, or desire. It's already... <clears throat> built in and woven into the fabric of the universe. That's why as a Christian, you can be a Christian, you can believe in God and have no problem with people referring to the universe brought me this or the universe has my back or I'm trusting the universe for these things <clears throat> because the truth is the universe, let's, let's, just, let's be very orthodox in our Christian thinking. He created all things. All things are from him. And all things are upheld by Him. He is upholding all things by the word of His power. He is sustaining all things, and in Him all things consist or cohere or are held together and sustained. 
Therefore, well, I mean, what that's telling us is the divine is interwoven into the universe. The divine power, the divine nature is interwoven into the universe. And if you have the right kind of knowledge, you can begin to access those things in order to bring out of that invisible source of supply whatever it is that you want, need, or desire without having to pray and labor and convince Sky God to do it for you. And that's part of the reason that I believe that we are here in this third density world, in this uh, really dense region of matter, is one of the reasons that we're here is so that our soul can learn how to deny the illusion of the physical world only and learn to be as God with God, be as divine with the divine, accessing out of this invisible realm where all things hoped for are, accessing out of this invisible realm where everything in the visible is manifested out of a corresponding invisible thing that is already interwoven into all the fabric and all the worlds of the universe and then learning through divine consciousness how to contact the divine within and without in order to get into the divine force and bring forth change in your life so that you escape. Not change in the world to change the world. Not change in the world to be a history maker. Change in the world so that you can live a wholesome, satisfying, abundant, and happy life and thereby escape the corruption that is in the world through the illusions and the narratives and the game playing that is coming from that space of not knowing who they are, not knowing the divine, and not knowing that they're already connected with the divine and living in the illusion of separation, living in the illusion of this three-dimensional reality only, rather than awakening to the reality of multiple dimensions and multiple selves and multiple abilities and the fact that there is a flow of the divine that surrounds you, that is supporting you, and that is sustaining you. I had a person this week tell me that they, they quit following me on Facebook because they need to believe, uh, because they're going through some hard times, they need to believe that there is a God that is supporting them. They need to believe that there is a God other than them or outside of them supporting them and helping them. And the moment I heard that from this person, I realized that I have not clearly articulated well enough on my own stuff that I've done, my own personal view and understanding of the divine and of God. So I want to take a minute to do that because for me, this is not an either or proposition. This is not either you or God and you discover your own divinity and fend for yourself and create everything from yourself out of the divine resources within you. Or you believe in a God outside of you. So in other words, what I'm saying is it's not mutually exclusive. It's not, I've got to awaken my own divinity and through the realization of my own divinity begin to manifest the reality that I want in my world with no help from a divine source that is outside of me or that it transcends me, or that is greater than me. So in other words, I'm going to exclude any divine support. I'm going to exclude any kind of prayer. 
I'm going to exclude any kind of understanding that something greater than me is sustaining me and supporting me because I have to get in touch with my own. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not creating or trying to create that kind of an exclusive either-or frame. At, at the same time, what I'm escaping from and trying to help people escape from is this exclusive frame that says, I have nothing, I have no divine nature, I have no divinity, I have no access or resources, my will, my decisions, my thoughts and feelings have no effect on what goes on around me or the synchronicities and the things that I bring into my life or no power to manifest something different in my life. Therefore, I have to depend on God other than me and God outside of me or what some people call uh, on here sky God or our Father who art in heaven in order to, to do these things for me. So I am not an atheist. I am not an anti-Christian. I am not an anti-Christ in the sense that I am in opposition to people who believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus. <clears throat> I'm not one of these people that think that it's all fiction and that it all needs to be thrown away. Rather, what I want to do is to be able to do what God told Jeremiah, separate the precious from the vile, separate the harmful from the helpful, separate the toxicity that is in the medicine from the healing that is in the medicine itself. Eat the hay and leave the sticks, whatever. And it's a process, and I'm in process. So here's, here's what I'm trying to say with all of this. My, I am not an atheist. I am not someone who's renounced faith in Jesus. I'm not someone who's renounced faith in God. I am someone whose conceptualization of all of those things is completely different now than it used to be. And my conceptualization of God, my conceptualization of the scriptures, my conceptualization of myself, my map of the territory has completely changed from what it once was. And my map of the territory is an ever unfolding and evolving process in my own participation in the divine nature. So that my concept of God is not that God does not exist. My concept of God is not that there's not anything beneficial within the Judeo-Christian traditions. My concept of God has grown beyond the Judeo-Christian tradition. My concept of God has grown beyond the Bible. My concept of God has grown beyond my understanding of what it once was within Christianity. My concept of God has grown beyond to become more inclusive of divine forces and other deific masks and other paths. So that it is much broader and much bigger and much more a life-affirming, human-affirming, other-affirming than it's ever been. So that my God got bigger, not smaller. My God became more available, not less available. My God became not the judgmental God that says it's my way or the highway, but rather a God free of judgment who is constantly, minute by minute, supporting me 
with the divine force and with the divine power, with his divine care and his divine love, watching over and orchestrating my path, intervening in my path, working all things together for my good, that, that I could sit back literally and do nothing and I'm still going to have every bit of divine support, divine love, and God is going, and I'm going to be in the flow of the divine, moving in the divine power, moving in the divine path that God has for my life. But I also believe that we are here to awaken our divine spark and raise our divine spark. We are here to learn how to be co-laborers with God. We are here to be partakers of the divine nature. We are here to discover the treasure that is within ourselves, which is the authentic self. And so here's what I believe. God says, go and do what thou wilt. Do what thou wilt to discover this is the law and that love is the law. Love is the essence of the divine nature. So in other words, go do what you want free from the fear of judgment, understanding that this is only a stage in the evolution and progression and development of your own soul. And as you are here doing what thou wilt, everything, because the divine nature is built into everything, everything is a divine lesson, everything is a divine path. And the ultimate discovery is that as a partaker of the divine nature, you can do what thou wilt. That being the whole of the law and love. Love is the highest, most powerful, and most guiding force in the universe. And so if you act contrary to love, by acting contrary to love, you're, in, you're bringing, love is bringing you a lesson into your life to awaken you to what love is. By acting contrary to your true will, you are inviting a lesson into your life that will reveal to you what your true will is. So that all things are working together for your good. So that you cannot mess it up. Thank you, Chad. That's the phrase I'm looking for. Love under will. Do what thou wilt. That is the whole of the law. And then love under will. That's the highest truth for me in this season, conceptualization of where I'm at. That is the highest truth. That is the liberating truth. And that is the first step to being a participant in the divine nature. And the problem with religion is that it robs you of the discovery of your own authenticity because you are so busy believing that you should do and you should be and you ought do and you must do and you have to in order to conform to somebody else's pattern of right and wrong, to order, in order to conform with somebody else's standards and somebody else's values, so that you are living life as a fiction of yourself. You, you're not discovering your soul, you're not discovering your voice, you're not discovering your authenticity, and without doing that first, you cannot discover how to participate in the divine power. Everybody says, okay, Aaron, this is great, tell me how to do it. I'm telling you how to do it. I'm telling you how to do it by saying you have to throw off that stuff. That is the old man that the Apostle Paul talks about. Throwing off all of that stuff to do the work to discover what do you want. You can't do what thou wilt if you don't know what you really want in this life. And you cannot be satisfied in life. If you don't go after the things that you want, if you're so busy being a history maker and a world changer 
You will deny yourself the things that you want. I hope he doesn't mind me using his name, uh, but very active. I just love him to pieces. <clears throat> David DeAndre on the uh, religious trauma recovery page. Uh, you know, he, he shared his testimony there a number of times. How you know he was a missionary, and that idea of sacrificing your life, sacrificing your own happiness, to go out and be a world changer, to spread the word, to carry the message—that's participating. And I'm not, this isn't a slam with David. I think he understands my heart and where I'm coming from. People, when we do that, when all of us do that, that's participating in the corruption that is in the world through lust. Because our our our, our desire, if you will, to please God. And the brainwashing that we go through that says it's unchristian and unglorifying to God to be happy. It's selfish to be happy. It's selfish to be satisfied. It's selfish to go after the things that you want. And the real pathway is the pathway of sacrifice. Therefore, sacrifice what you can have in this life to go and spread the word, to go and be a world changer in another part of the world. Now, if that's your true will, if going to another part of the world and spreading the word is what's really going to make you happy and it's a driving passion and it fills you with joy and it fills you with then go do that. But if you're sacrificing what you really want to go and do that, then you're not doing your true will and you're not being your authentic self. And so therefore, the life that you really want gets stolen from you. Your soul gets stolen from you. You do what Jesus said. You gain uh, and again, I'm not speaking about David. I'm speaking more generally right now. And we do this in many, many different ways. There was many different ways where I fit into things that were contrary to my nature in order to find acceptance within the religious context and religious culture that I was in. There were times that I denied my own self and my own heart and my own desires. And it could be something as simple as I don't want to go to church today. I want to go fishing today. But I've got the pressure that I have to show up. I'm just trying to make it simple. Um uh, there was a season in time where only certain kinds of music were sanctified and other kinds of music were from the devil. But man, I really like those other kinds of music. You, you get what I'm saying. So instead of being led by my own will, by my own desires, which is authenticity, I would sacrifice those things in order to conform to a context. And I did it repeatedly, these little decisions. And so what happens is these little decisions shave off a part of yourself. Okay, to fit into this context, shave off another part of yourself. Okay, to fit into this situation and social context and be a good Christian and follow the Word of God, I shave off another part of what I really want and desire in that moment. And then what happens is, is I short-circuit the whole process. I literally cut myself off, in a sense, from the abundance of the divine house when I do that. And I do exactly what Jesus said. I lose my soul in order to gain acceptance in the world. So that I woke up, successful pastor, uh, making plenty of money, nice home, able to travel around the world, opportunities to go and speak, respect and admiration within my own community and with the broader context of the body of Christ, body of Christ with which I participated. Everything I could want, and I woke up and I realized that for years, I was emotionally disconnected from my own life. I was an actor on a stage. And I had to do the work to become more emotionally connected to my own desires. Because here's the key to flowing in the divine force and the divine power. The number one key is authenticity and real integrity. Real integrity says I'm being true to myself. Until you do that, gang, you can do all the, you know, stuff. You name it and claim it. 
law of attraction, imagining that you already have it. And you're just going to bounce. So many people bounce from teacher to teacher, message to message, conference to conference, online course to online course, trying to find the keys and the secrets when all of it's already within you and all of it's already been given to you. And it is a path of self-discovery. That's why you're here. You're not here to change the world. You're here to discover yourself. Discover what authentically makes you happy. And pursue what makes you happy. You could use another tenant from Wicca that basically says do what you will without doing harm. Do what you will without doing harm to others. Because when you do harm, again, you're participating in the corruption that is in the world through less. Does that make sense to you? So I'll close it with this. Couple, well, yeah, I'll close it with this. The prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son is about this journey and this discovery. And it's so clear, but we miss it. Because you have two sons. You have one son who's true to his desires. Says, Father, give me my inheritance that I may go out away from your house. You have the other son who stays home. The father, which represents in this sense the divine, does not say, oh no, son, you can't go out there. He doesn't take him out and beat him with rods. He doesn't shove scripture down his throat. In the parable, in the story, oh, here you go, my son. Like, not offended, not offended, happy because all things that pertain to life and godliness had already been given. So he goes out and he wastes, he wastes his inheritance on wasteful living, spends it all, and after he spends it all, then finds himself in a place of lack. And instead of returning to the father's house, it says he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He began to play the game of competition. He began to play the game of the corruption that is in the world through lust. He joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he begins to eat the pods that the swine are eating. And then it says so the most amazing thing in the parable, Jesus says, when he came to himself, when he came to himself, when he came home to himself, he said, how many of my father's servants, when he came to himself, he began to reconnect with his source. And he made the journey back home, though his thought patterns were distorted. Though he thought, I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. Why? Because of the group think at the time. But the father comes running out to meet him with no bitterness, with no need for that son to repent or do anything. He embraces him. He affirms him as his son. He reclothes him. He gives him a ring signet of authority. And he, he, he could reconnects him to the abundance so that he could have more of what he wanted. And he had a party and he killed the fatted calf. And what did the other son do? The other son went running out of the house so that both sons left the house. 
The other son goes out of the house, and what does the other son say? He says, Father, all this time I've done what you wanted me to do, and not one time have you done, have you thrown a party for me and my friends. And what does the father say? Son, all that I have is yours. But you never availed yourself to it. And so the son, and, and here's the sad thing, there's, Jesus ends the story there, that son never comes back in. So there are those that are committed to the religious principles and to fitting into what everybody else thinks and what the culture and society thinks they ought to be. And there is those, or there is a part, and, and that part of you that's the dutiful son, that's the dutiful servant, that's connected to the divine, that's connected to the Father, that's connected to the source, that is connected to abundance, but never authentic enough to self to pursue the desire of what you want and do what thou wilt. The other son says, give it to me, I'm going to go out and do what, I will, do what thou wilt. And, he, and in that process of wasteful living, he discovers you can't waste what the divine has made available to you. There's more. I wasted this on my desires and there's even more in the Father's house. And he came to himself so that the whole time he's being authentic to himself and that is the lesson. That is the message behind the story. Not the sinner coming home to be forgiven and restored by the Father, but the person being authentic to himself and going out and realizing that you cannot waste that which is eternal and learning how to reconnect to divine abundance, learning how to reconnect to source, learning how to reconnect to his own divine potential, the own divine reality of who he was as a son so that he could enjoy even more and realize there's no judgment from the Father. There's only embrace from the Father because do what thou wilt be the whole of the law. Will under love. That is the law. That is the divine nature. That's what's woven into everything. So let me tell you something right now. If you are going through something, you say, I don't understand all this. I don't know how to flow in all this. I understand there were destructive parts of my religious experience, but I still want to believe in God. I still need to believe that there's something sustaining me, that there is something leading me and guiding me, that there is something helping me, that the universe has my back, that God has my back, that you can pray for me and it makes a difference, that I can pray for other people and it makes a difference. Yes! <laughs> yes! The same force that's sustaining the blades of grass in my lawn is sustaining my heartbeat and sustaining the breath in my lungs. The same divine force of love and power that is keeping the earth on its axis that makes sure that we, we go into the winter solstice in a couple of weeks that we come out of the winter solstice. That the whole message of Christmas... I, don't anybody come at me with... Uh, you know, Christmas is a pagan holiday and Christians stole it from the pagans. That is that competition game. Don't come at me with that. But let me explain the reality of why. Well, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. They stole that. No, they did not. They reformatted the same thing that you're celebrating as a pagan. The same thing that you're celebrating as, as whatever. If you're in tune with the signs and the seasons, they simply reformatted, reformatted that in a way that connected with the Jesus story and with the Jesus narrative. Because basically on December 21st, uh, or 20, I think it's December 21st. It's been a while since I looked at this. Maybe it's 22nd. The sun dies. And they're, 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 from a certain perspective of the astrological signs, 
there's this thing called the Southern Cross, and the sun would pass through the Southern Cross on December 21st, and it would die, and basically there would be no change for three days. But on the December 24th or 25th, I'm sorry, on December 25th, the sun would begin to rise, and it was a sign and a symbol that light would begin to triumph over darkness. And so they took the astrology, they took the beauty of all of it, and they placed it within the context or tied it to the context of the Christmas story so that there you have December 25th. But here's my point. The same God, the same divine power, the same divine source that makes sure that we have the seasons, that makes sure that our days start getting lighter again, that makes sure that we progress towards spring, that makes sure that we progress towards summer. That same force, that same force is always with you. That same force is always sustaining you. That same force is non-intelligent and intelligent. That same force has a mind for you. That same force has a love and a desire for you. That same force is caring for you. That same force is directing you. That same force is causing all things to work together for your good. So you can trust in that. You can put your faith in that. You can rest in that. And at the same time, have complete liberty to be your authentic self, to do your authentic will, to do what thou wilt. Love unto will. And when you do that, <laughs> Ben says, I'm sorry, I just thought the Southern Cross sounds like an SBC concept. I'm going to put an asterisk by all that stuff that I just said because I hadn't planned on going there. <laughs> and I haven't studied it out enough to say it with authority. So uh, just take it for what it's worth. But I'm just trying to say, let's be inclusive. Let's let everybody celebrate these things. But the main point is, that same loving, compassionate force is with you. And the key to abundance is to realize everything's already been given to you. And you can participate in the divine force, but only by discovering first your authentic self and your true will. Being true to yourself. Breaking free from the groupthink patterns that allow you to experience the life that you choose to experience and realizing there is no God in the sky that's going to judge you for your choices. That God is not your judge. God is your supporting friend. Oh, Ben, I know you were I know you're joking, bro, but your wife's like the astrologer in in the camp. So I always get nervous like 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 if you were a Greek scholar and you were, you know, saying something about what I was saying, I think, oh geez, I hope I got the Greek part right. So yeah, I knew you were joking. It, it's all good, but and I don't care if I was, you know, wrong. Doesn't matter. Not the point. You get it? Can yes. Daryl says rest in God's power. And be free to be true to yourself. Yes, there's not a God in the sky that's going to judge you. There's a divine force that embraces you and loves you through the ups and the downs, the thick and the thin, the good and the bad, the wise decisions, the not wise decisions, the part of you that's vibrating at the highest frequencies of love and compassion, and the part of you that's vibrating at the lowest frequencies of hate and blind animal carnal lust. The divine embraces all of that, judges none of it. And the reality is, it's trying to bring a balance between those polarities, but that's for a whole different time and message. So I hope this encouraged you. I hope this blessed you. Uh, so much better for me to just be sending out encouragement and hope 
been uh, griping about, <laughs> about what I've been through. But for me, it's important to show that other side of life, show that authenticity, and, and I'm talking about last message I did. So anyway, God bless you. Love all you guys. Uh, please enjoy this time. Please be safe out there. Um, and uh, look, I look forward to reading your comments. Uh, I'm staying away from Facebook. Here's the last thing I want to say. I'm staying away from Facebook uh, in terms of doing other lives. I'm going to continue to do Facebook Live on Sundays. But I'm not going to do any more Facebook Lives with uh, at any other time unless the, the urge hits me um, until the new year. Because I realized that part of what was going on with me was I was coming under the effects of chronic stress. Um, and I just need to unplug and get away from stuff. I need to use this time as a time for my own self-discovery, my own shadow work, my own self-discovery, uh, There's and, uh, and figuring out what uh, I want to do in the coming year to, um, to be a blessing and to be a voice that's helping people. Uh, so I got some things, videos and stuff that I want to make, but I haven't had the energy, and a lot of it's just been the chronic stress. I, I, I finally realized we've just been under chronic stress uh, for a really long time, and I'm starting to uh, really show the wear and tear of that. So I'm going to pull back, uh, let myself be renewed, but I am going to keep doing the Sunday mornings because that's part of what's renewing for me, and I want to I want to stay connected in that way. So I may not get to the comments. I may not respond to the comments or all the comments. Um, and you may not see as many posts from me, which may mess up my algorithms. I don't know. Um, so anyway, that's what's going on. I did include this time a link for you to give if you want to. Uh, I want to be clear, the giving is going to um, our nonprofit organization to keep us going during this time. Obviously, we're not meeting and we're not taking offerings, uh, but we still have to sustain things financially. The federal you know, help has run out that we received. Um, but more than that, I just, if this has been a blessing to you, I mean, I, I could only teach these things and charge for them, uh, but I want to make this stuff freely available. Uh, so if in the generosity of your heart you want to share with us, if this has in any way been a blessing to you, if you feel moved in any way to sow a seed, to help us financially, to participate in an energy exchange that will help us financially, then uh, I included the PayPal link. I also have a cash app, but I don't know how to include that. I didn't want to put too much up there. Uh, but you can message me if you want the cash app or whatever. So many of you have been so generous to keep us going. You've been so faithful in your giving, and I thank you so much for that. Some of you have said, hey, we haven't seen the PayPal link in a while, uh, so I'm putting the PayPal link out there. Um, and if you're moved to generously help us, I really appreciate it. I do believe there's a participation in divine flow. I do believe... Uh, in sowing and reaping and all that stuff. I know there's a lot of people deconstructing from Christianity that think it's all garbage, uh, but that's not been my experience. My experience has always been that those things work for myself and for other people. So anyway, putting that out there, thank you for your support. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the calls. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the messages. Uh, love you. I feel blessed and wealthy beyond measure with good people in my life, loving, wonderful people. I love the tribe that I'm connecting with, and uh, God bless you, and all that stuff. Namaste.